With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And hello, MD Nation, and welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we are back here today. We're going to have a very special episode for you guys. We are wrapping up the Potential Fantasy Value mini-series that we've been having going on. And what we're going to be doing... Today is we're going to have Mr. Christopher Pinto on. He's a writer from Belly Up Fantasy Sports. He's going to help us break down some of the offseason notes. He's going to help us break down some of the wide receivers in the incoming rookie draft class that are going to be coming in. Chris, how are you doing today? Are you healthy and how is everything at home? Dan, I'm doing wonderful. My family is doing great. We're uh, isolating pretty well here in Texas. Uh, Not much has changed in our lives except for my wife now gets to work at home. So, makes my job a little bit easier with the baby. <laughs> well, that's, that's great to hear. I'm glad you guys are all healthy and able to keep away from everybody that you need to. And just in case you guys were wondering, Chris is here on the MD Nation hotline. Remember, you guys can call and contact the show on that line any time of day. Leave your comment, your rant, your question, whatever your fantasy desire may be, and get yourself onto the show. That's 609-362-2480. You can also contact the show at MDSFFShow on Twitter, at MDFFShow on Facebook, or email the show if you so choose, MDSFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Chris, where are some of the places that uh, people out there can get a hold of you and be able to contact you for their fantasy questions as your columns will be coming out uh, shortly on Belly Up Fantasy Sports? People are going to want to definitely uh, chime in and comment towards you. Well, yeah, you can always follow me on my personal handle on Twitter, at AggieCapaSig. Um, I'm normally on the Belly Up Football, Belly Up Fantasy Twitter accounts, uh, posting content, answering questions, putting polls out. Uh, currently, we're doing a live mock draft with KTLS Sports out of Chicago. Um, done a, did a couple fantasy drafts with them as well. Pretty good guys. They know their stuff. Very, very cool. Very cool. So, Aggie Cap is saying, I'm going to assume that's a reference to your college days. That is correct. Texas A&M, thanks and gigam, the Mu Gamma chapter of Kappa Sigma. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's what I had to figure there. Well... That's why I brought on you because you're very much into the college sports and we'll be able to get into those con- in those details later on. But first things first, we always kick off these shows with the off-season notes about what's been happening as of late. Make sure you guys are all up to date with what's going on so that way you and your dynasty leagues, even if you're not in a startup league, you'll know exactly what kind of value these people have at the moment. And to kick you off, we're going to talk about Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida. Tevin Coleman getting a partially guaranteed contract while Matt Breida, as of right now is expected to either be traded or possibly cut uh, and missing the roster altogether with the addition of Jarek McKinnon coming back. They restructured that deal. They expect him to be back. Chris, what's your take on the 49ers backfield situation as it stands right now heading into the 2020 season? Well, we saw the 49ers last uh, last season under Shanahan 
love the running back by committee. They love handing the rock off. Um, sometimes you have to go where the money is, and they paid Jarek McKinnon. They paid Kevin Coleman. Um, he got a $2 million guaranteed uh, switch from injury to a full guarantee April 1st. No joke on him, which was 44% of his $4.55 million base salary out there. Um, kind of tells me that they're going to lean more towards him. Uh, last year, we saw Coleman with 137 carries on the ground for 154 yards and six touchdowns, while Matt Breida, on the other hand, had 123, 623, and only one touchdown. So they're going to Coleman more in the red zone. Uh, and they utilized him more through the passing game as well. Um, I do think they're going to get rid of Matt Breida and kind of go with Coleman, McKinnon, and Mozart. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the way it's trending. Hopefully, Kyle Shanahan does not decide he wants to add another running back to that mix. And when I say another running back, I'm looking at you, Jeff Wilson. Please just ride that bench. It's already enough of a nightmare as it is. Somebody's going to have fantasy value. That's what's so that's what's so annoying about this backfield is that whoever is going to be the guy who gets 15 carries that particular game, he's going to have high-end RB2 potential. That's why this is so maddening. My 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 guess right now would be to lean towards Raheem Moser being that guy more times than not at the moment. But we do know Kyle Shanahan has an affinity for Tevin Coleman. And we also know he loves him some Jared McKinnon, even though he has not played it down yet for the San Francisco 49ers, because that's why he keeps trying to bring him back. That's why he overpaid them in the first place. They were talking about him possibly even passing down work. Uh, look, I don't know if this guy can even stay healthy anymore. It's been two years now of straight knee injuries. What kind of Jarek McKinnon we're even going to get is going to be a big question mark. I don't understand really the push to keep this guy on the roster, but that's going to make this thing even that more maddening. I don't know if you have any uh, response to that at all. You know, uh, there's no real talent on McKinnon because we really haven't seen him in full form yet in a 49ers uniform. Um, during my... I guess early dynasty drafts right now, I am seeing Mozart go ahead of Coleman, and very rarely am I seeing McKinnon taken off the board. Yeah, and it'll continue to be that way until we actually get to a training camp with him being healthy. Moving on, though, I do want to talk about the Rams staying in that division. The GM coming out today or yesterday and talking about it being a committee. They plan on it being a committee between Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, and who knows, maybe a third back, but I don't know if that's really going to be the case. Uh, with the Rams situation, how do you see that split unfolding as of right now? Well, when I heard this news, the first two things that popped in my mind were Todd Gurley and Sean McVay. Uh, for the past five years, Todd Gurley handled the bulk of the workload, uh, carrying at least 223 times over the four seasons, five seasons, and he has never seen the bench more than 28%. So he's on the field a lot of the time for those offensive snaps. Uh, and then McVay. When McVay came to the Rams, uh, I remember his first draft. He drafted a couple guys that he really liked, one being Gerald Everett, the tight end, and then one being Daryl Henderson Jr., the running back. Um, we know that he likes to use a, a bat and use him as a workhorse. Henderson didn't get a lot of playing time last year, and you kind of wonder why. Uh, with more buzz during the offseason about Gurley being traded and stuff like that, it kind of made more sense why they would maybe save Henderson and give him more of a bigger role this year. Um, obviously, without summer OTAs and training camp going on, um, really I haven't seen that duel between Henderson and Brown. Um, I think Brown kind of still stays as that handcuff, and I do think Henderson gets a bigger role, even though they are saying they're going by committee. Yeah, I, I agree that you're going to see some kind of split here. It's going to be mostly Malcolm Brown taking over early down work, uh, goal line work for sure. I think the question is going to be the passing down work does, should be Daryl Henderson's. How much more outside of the two-minute drills, the third and longs, how much more outside of that is he going to be involved? I think that's the real question mark people are going to have to ask themselves, and uh, we're really not going to know until we get to some kind of glimpse in a training camp. One nice thing about Hard Knocks doing the Chargers and the Rams, we might actually get some insight as to how that split's going just through Hard Knocks in itself, too. So that could be a beneficial for fantasy owners as well to kind of check that out. Plus, pretty excited for them to be doing both the L.A. teams. I think there's going to be a, an interesting dynamic, but I digress. It's not what we're here to talk about. With Daryl Henderson, he has the big explosive playmaking ability that you are looking for. That he can be a nice change of pace, home run hitter, which would leads me to believe that if anything, 
I would lean towards this being a 60-40 split in favor of Malcolm Brown when it comes to carries. And then I would say about 70 to 75% in Daryl Henderson's favor when it comes to the passing down work, when it comes to the receptions. That's kind of what I'm projecting it as as of now. I don't think we're going to see a third guy be significantly enough involved to really take that into consideration. Are you on the long line of those kind of percentages or what will your percentages be? You know, uh, everyone had that buzz on John Kelly at the beginning, and we saw that soon fade. Uh, I think you're 100% on the nail on this. I think 60-40 is probably what we're going to see. Um, I do think Henderson, maybe in the playoffs or something like that, if they make it that far, I think he does see a more expanded role as well. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And uh, the last offseason note that I want to talk about before we go ahead and start getting into the wide receivers here is... OBJ and Jarvis Landry reportedly are on track right now in the rehab process, and that was to be expected. We're, we are, we do expect these guys to be ready week one. That was I don't think there was anybody's real fear at any given point ever. But I think the real conversation to be had here is with Kevin Stefanski, with them being healthy, do you see an upgrade, especially in OBJ's case? Jarvis Landry actually had a pretty decent season, but do you see an upgrade in the offensive scheme fitting these two wide receivers and Baker Mayfield taking a step back in the right direction heading into next season? I do. Um, I'm a. I drank the Kool Aid when the Browns were on hard knocks. Uh, I fell in love with them. I, I buy into their program, and I do think that they're going to have a better year this year. I think OBJ was a little hurt last year, and that showed on the field. Um, you know, Baker needs to – he does need to progress as a quarterback, and I do think they have a great year this year. Um, OBJ's in my top ten wide receivers, and Jarvis Landry is not far out. Uh, he's definitely a solid wide receiver, too, with upside. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Kevin's. I've come more around on this. When they first hired Kevin Stefanski, I was not a fan of it because I was felt that more so that this was a guy coming in riding the coattails of Gary Kubiak because that was really mostly Gary Kubiak's system that he was play calling off of last year for the Minnesota Vikings. So I wasn't too sure about the hiring, but the more I thought about and the signing of Austin Hooper really kind of solidified for me like okay you do 100% plan on running that same scheme with the Cleveland Browns it's because it's clear you're going to look to use two tight ends and two receivers rather than three receiver sets which is what the Browns are really set up to do especially with OBJ and Jarvis Landry so as long as that's going to be the case and you're going to use Nick Chubb and you're going to use Kareem Hunt in that zone scheme role I think all the pieces fit really well Baker Mayfield is more athletic than he got to show off with Freddie Kitchens he's not a guy who should be dropping back in shotgun all the time because he has some athleticism he's going to be utilized in those play action bootlegs which is going to help open Open everything up, especially with his offense is built now as a result. So that's why I kind of like it more. I haven't done my coaching changes fantasy impact series that I do every year. That's going to come uh, probably next month sometime after we get done talking about the draft because next week's going to be a draft preview and then we're going to recap uh, a couple rounds of the draft the following two weeks after that. So sometime after that will be the coaching changes impact and we'll get into more detail about it. But the more I look at this, the more I feel as though we may get to see more of the season that we expected last year out of these guys that we didn't, you know, unfortunately we didn't get to see, especially in OBJ's case, he can start to build his value back up again. And being that this is a guy who, because of last year, is in a situation that he's possibly going in the third round, he might wind up being a steal because he can still come back and give you wide receiver one type of number so we'll dive in all that more but yeah I'm I'm with you on there I do like this a lot for for the situation that they're heading in especially if they're going to be healthy that's really going to be the only question especially when it comes to OBJ's case can you stay healthy because we have not seen that in a while at all however before we go ahead and get into the rookies, I want you guys to all be aware that we have the store is open. The MD's Fantasy Football Show store is open. It has its official merchandise. We have every product in the book from t-shirts to tank tops to hoodies to leggings to even outside apparel products from mugs to pillows to blankets and much more. Boast about being the championship or the commissioner of your league or embarrass the hell out of one of your friends with a loser fantasy football t-shirt from the MD's Fantasy Football Store for your next fantasy football event. And hopefully there will be fantasy football drafts, home drafts when we get closer towards the season here. 
But now it's all time for what we've been waiting for, what this episode is all about, the potential fantasy value of the wide receivers. And I can think of nobody better to start off with than Jerry Judy. Chris, why don't you go ahead and tell us your take on Jerry Judy for all of us? Well, Jerry Judy is an animal, first of all. 6'1", out of Alabama. He's a junior uh, with top-end speed, great hands. Uh, we see him in 2019 with 77 catches, 100, 1,163 yards and 10 touchdowns, one being an 85-yard bomb. Uh, just the eye test on this guy, when you're watching film on him, uh, he's just he's better than the other guy. <laughs> That's downright what it is. I mean, at the combine, you're in a 4440. Uh, a 35-inch burp, and in the 20-yard shell, he had a 4-5-3. That's lightning. Uh, the speed that he has is just, you have to put a guy on him, and you have to be conscious of what Jerry Judy's doing. Um, in the last 28 games, he scored 24 touchdowns. So he's making moves out there. He's burning the coverage. He's getting behind your guy, and uh, he's already have, he already has experience in a pro-style offense. Uh, his route speed is intense in both intermediate and deep, so he's being able to cross the field and just burn you down the sideline. Uh, his routes are impressive. They're just sharp. They're clean. They're, they're almost perfect uh, for his huge frame, and he just moves like water out there. He's just very fluid. Um, when you're a DB and you're having to guard this guy, you're trying to you know watch what he's doing up top and trying to find the ball, and he's making you miss. Uh, he secures the ball as well, and he takes big hits. He's not afraid to do it. Uh, he'll go out in there and block as well. Uh, I remember him against LSU, and he was blocking cornerbacks 15, 20 yards down the field. He just does not give up. He's a competitor. Uh, I really like him, and there's a lot to say about this guy, but I think uh, everyone knows about him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with without a doubt, he's hands down. It's either been him or C.D. Lamb as the everyone's number one wide receiver. I do kind of have them on a one A one B one B basis with Jerry Judy being that one A, and it's just because he can line up anywhere on the field. To your point, he can catch the ball. He has the speed. Ran a four four five forty. Uh, has the explosiveness that you're looking for. Has the great hands. I compared him to. Keenan Allen as my NFL comp coming out of college because of his ability to run routes inside and out. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. I think he could be, obviously, I think he's going to be better than Keenan Allen. He's a little bit faster than he is, and he'll hopefully have better injury uh, you know, stance in the NFL than Keenan Allen has thus far. I think Keenan Allen would be revered as a much better wide receiver had he not had the injury issues that he has had throughout his career. I think he's going to be looking at Jerry Judy. He comes in, no matter where it is he goes to, he has the potential to be the number one wide receiver. He is one of the few rookie wide receivers that I'm looking at that are not only, of course, very valuable in dynasty leagues, but guys that I do believe will have a big impact in their rookie seasons and be redraft value type of guys. Uh, definitely one of those. There's several of those type of wide receivers this year, given the amount of talent and given the places that they could wind up in. Uh, we might actually see some more rookie wide receivers like last year with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and to some extent Marquise Brown of being effective in redraft leagues, not just for dynasty purposes. And Jerry Judy should definitely be one of those guys to follow it up here. I, well, before we move on, actually, what would be your dream ideal place for Jerry Judy to wind up on? Well, my ideal place would be the Houston Texans, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, yes, especially with letting go DeAndre Hopkins, that would be nice for Houston. Yeah, yes, that, <laughs> that would be. Um, you know, I would like to see him in a, a Raiders uniform. Uh, him and Josh Jacobs reuniting, I think that would be pretty cool. Um, I have seen him go into the mocks to the 49ers or to the Jags, but I would really like to see him at the at the Raiders. The Raiders make a lot of sense, right? Because they kind of got screwed last year with the whole Antonio Brown situation. And Antonio Brown was brought in there to do what, frankly, Jerry Judy does. Line up inside, line up outside, be a great route receiver, be the number one guy, and let Tyra Williams be a compliment to him on the perimeter. 
They didn't get to have that last year. Jerry Judy would fit that really well. There's a very good chance that could also wind up happening. It's all going to come down to the Jets at 11. Do they go offensive line or do they go wide receiver? And I think that'll dictate whether the Raiders wind up with Jerry Judy or wind up with C.D. Lamb. And I think Judy would be a better fit for them. But it's all going to depend on the Jets. I hope to God Jerry Judy does not wind up on the Jets. I I don't want anybody who's not a slot receiver only to wind up with Adam Gase because that is the only person on the entire offense that has any kind of fantasy value whatsoever. Uh, So I hope he's not going to wind up there. Hopefully they go offensive line and we can see Jerry Judy actually have a decent career because there's there's only one person who could ruin a career out of Jerry Judy, and that would be Adam Gase. Uh, moving on to the next guy, though, C.D. Lamb. What's your take here on uh, C.D. Lamb? So C.D. Lamb, like you were saying with your 1A, 1B, C.D. Lamb would be my 1A to Gary Judy's 1B. Uh, I just, I've watched a lot of film on this guy uh, out of OU. Uh, my brother-in-law, a big OU fan, went there. So shout out to the Sooners. Um, C.D. Lamb just has the intangible. Uh, he's a big, fast guy. I mean, same things that you could say about Jerry Judy. You could say that about C.D. Lamb. Uh, but the one thing that I like about C.D. Lamb is he has 26 broken tackles, which leads the FBS at after point of contact 10 yards down the field. So he's shaking guys off. He's making a miss. He's pushing guys off of them. He's just a really big wide receiver that gets physical, doesn't have to uh, just burn you down the field, but he can with his four or five time at the combine. Uh, he has big play talent. He can play three levels on the field. He, you know, wherever he is, you got to watch him. Um, his awareness, too, when you're making those back shoulder throws is unreal. Uh, it's like he almost has eyes in the back of his head. Um, he's real slippery, too, and deceptive at speed. Uh, he almost makes you, you know, rolls those cornerbacks to sleep and just burns by him. He takes really long strides. He's got great arm extension in hand. Uh, he's not afraid to just lay out for a pass either or a ball either and just take a hit. Uh, he's what every wide receiver coach wants in the film room. He's smart. He's always there. He's on time. He's a really good guy, and you know, this year, last year, when we were talking about C.D. Lamb, Hollywood Brown, who would go, uh, I thought C.D. Lamb was better than Hollywood Brown, and Hollywood Brown was the first wide receiver taken off the board last year. Um, just watching him, too, just like I said about Jerry Judy, I mean, he's just better than your guy. He's, he's just going to be awesome in the NFL. He's going to have a great impact. Uh, I can't say enough about this guy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I love him a lot, too, and I was also a big, big fan of Marquise Brown, still am. Uh, they're very different wide receivers, obviously. I'll say the difference between C.D. Lamb and uh, Jerry Judy, to me, is that outside perimeter presence, I, while C.D. Lamb can line up inside and outside because his routes are good enough, he is somebody I would prefer to have on the perimeter more times than not because of what he can do after contact. He can get him a little bit more physical. It's kind of the way he plays. He plays a little more angry. He plays a little more aggressive uh, down the field especially. He ran a 4-5, which I honestly was disappointed by and a little surprised by because when I watch this guy on film, I don't see anybody catching him once he's able to get a step. So I was a little surprised he didn't run similar to Jerry Judy, a 4-4-5, even a sub-4-4. That's kind of the way he plays. He might be one of those guys that plays better when he's in the pads than he is in a tracksuit, and that could just very well be the case because I was a little bit surprised by that. I think he has more speed than what he showed in the 40-yard dash if people were uh, getting a little bit hesitant as far as that goes, I know some were, but with C.D. Lamb, he's definitely going to fit that role uh, much better. I think there's a decent shot. Again, it's going to depend on 11, 12, 13. All three of those teams, Jets, Raiders, 49ers, all need wide receivers. I think there's a decent shot he winds up in San Francisco, and he would fit that team perfectly, exactly what they need, because they already have a Debo Samuel who can play the slot, who can be kind of their motion man, their mismatch guy, and you can play C.D. Lamb off of that. They need a perimeter guy. He would fit that much more, and especially since I consider him, I compare him to Odell Beckham Jr. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. is a little faster. However, the way he runs routes, the way he's able to break tackles, the way he's able to take slants and take it to the house, that's really reminds me a lot of OBJ. His hands also remind me a lot of OBJ, too. They're bigger type of hands. He has a lot of one-hand catch grabs. So I actually compare him to OBJ there. 
And he would fit a West Coast style system, especially. Uh, and given that he is a willing blocker on the outside, he would fit Kyle Shanahan, especially. So that could be a match made in heaven if he's there at 13 for the 49ers. But this is a guy who would really fit pretty much anywhere, uh, anywhere he would wind up at. Uh, there's not enough that can be said about Jerry Judy, C. Liam. Both of these guys top dynasty prospects. Both of these guys I expect to see as redraft value guys as well that you'll be able to get probably somewhere between the 8th and 12th round depending on their situation and where they wind up at. I Here's what I will say. If C.D. Lamb were to wind up on the San Francisco 49ers, he probably would not be the number one target. That would probably be George Kittle and then there'd be more of a 50-50 split between him and Debo Samuel as far as getting that top targeted wide receiver goes. So he might not have as much redraft value as a Jerry G who maybe goes to Oakland or if he did wind up on the Jets if that was the case may be but he is somebody because he has that big play of potential especially after the catch he is somebody who I think is going to be kind of that home run threat that high upside guy that you play and try to win a matchup off of just because you're waiting for that one that one big play hopefully uh, moving on though the next guy we want to really talk about, and this is where we start to nitpick a little bit more and where we like guys, but the next guy I want to talk about here is T. Higgins. I'm a big fan of him. Chris, please tell me what your take is on T. Higgins. You know, he's big, fast, strong. He has deceptively fast speed. Uh, the eye test on him, he's just hes a monster out there. I mean, he's a juggernaut. Uh, he has a long frame. He's scored on 20% of his catches. Um, he's played all three receiver spots, so inside, outside, all over the place. Uh, he didn't really perform at the combine. I guess he sat out. Uh, but, you know, he does have great hands. He's got good suddenness off the line. Um, a good interesting fact about him is, you know, 15 out of 23 deep targets this season, he's caught. Uh, you know, so he's, he's catching balls all over the place. I think he's going to be a good fit for possibly the Texans. Uh, I like his big frame, and they just lost a Clemson wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Well, they would have to get back into the first round to make that happen, no? <laughs> they probably would. Uh, there, there are some talks about the Texans doing something crazy yet again. Yeah, well, with Bill O'Brien, something crazy might be trading away to Sean Watson at this point. I don't know. I don't know if I trust that so much. That, that I don't know if I would be confident or comfortable with that kind of. Uh, mindset yeah as far as T Higgins is concerned my player comp to him is Demarius Thomas he reminds me a lot of that type of wide receiver a guy who can get deep uses his big physical body but the thing I like about T Higgins I think it's underrated with him is his route running ability and the fact that he can line up in the slot already he has one of the more complete wide receiver trees that you're going to see out of these bigger type of wide receivers normally speaking coming into the draft when you have these bigger guys it's normally they're they're deep threat guys or they're 50 50 guys 50 50 jump ball guys and they can come down physical they're back shoulder guys t higgins can already line up in the middle of the field and has great ability to be able to drop his hits get out of hips get out of breaks i love t higgins quite a bit he has all the tools in the making i think he is Unlike a Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, who are both only six feet tall, he has that extra red zone potential, that extra jump ball guy that you can kind of just throw it up to, even if he's not always necessarily open. He has a wide range span, and he has shown that he has excellent hands even when in traffic, which is what you're looking for out of those big guys quite a bit. T. Higgins might be one of my more favorite. Obviously, Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb are rated higher, but as far as my favorite wide receivers go, it'll be T. Higgins, and then the other guy will be Denzel Mims, which we'll talk about in a little bit later in this show, but those are probably my favorite wide receivers because I can't wait to watch these guys actually get on the football field uh, and play there. The only thing he needs to really work on that I have here as a note is his hand fighting ability getting off the line of scrimmage. The only thing you might be able to jam him up on is if you have a bigger physical corner, he can sometimes get jammed to the line because he's not used to having to use his hands. Usually his natural physical ability was enough in college to kind of get him off the line of scrimmage. He will have to work on that to some degree, but that is a common trait that you see out of rookie wide receivers and not something that I think is going to have to be a real issue uh, for him at the next level. You have, do you have anything to add to that? You know, you're 100% right about T. Higgins. Uh, the one thing I can say about him is he is reliable in the end zone. Wherever he goes, he's probably going to be a quarterback's best friend in that red zone. Um. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. 
Let's talk about another Alabama receiver. Let's talk about the guy who were dis- people were actually disappointed that he only ran a 4.27, and that's Henry Ruggs. Now, tell me about Henry Ruggs. Tell me why a guy who ran a 4.27 could ever be disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, if there was well, 1A and 1B and C Lamb and Jerry Judy, he would definitely be Henry Ruggs. The third would definitely be 1C. Uh, and I think he, people were disappointed in the 4.27 at the combine because when you watch him, he is he's just fast. I mean, he makes fast guys look slow. Uh, he's next-level fast, elite speed. Uh, he's going to be out there Sunday nights, and he's still going to be burning corners in the NFL while we're watching him on our couch. Uh, when you watch him, he is smooth and fluid. Like I said, he's next-level fast. He has game-breaking speed. He's got slick movements. He glides. It's almost like he's got a jet pack on him, you know? <laughs> uh, he's got soft hands, you know, almost like he's catching eggs out there. And he's also a really talented returner as well. Uh, he's going to be plugged in somewhere and, you know, have an instant impact on your fancy team and on the in the NFL as well. Yeah, he's a guy you want to get the ball to in space. He's a guy who's going to be a playmaker. He's a mismatch on the field with his speed. The thing I love about Henry Ruggs, and he doesn't get anywhere near enough credit, is also his receiver tree. Now, it's a little more limited than a Jerry Judy than some of these other receivers we've talked about so far. But in his case, a lot of people seem... When he ran the four two seven, and when we're talking about the combine, there was a lot of people that seemingly wanted to be on the side of Henry Ruggs is not as good as people want to say, or he's more of a one trick pony. He is not. He, to me, I, the one of the things I loved about Marquise Brown last year was the fact that he was a burner who wasn't just a burner. He was a guy who could play the slot, could play the outside, had a little bit of a better route tree to him than people want to give him credit for. And in Henry Ruggs' case, even though he is a smaller type of guy, he's pretty compact, six foot 190. He can go over the middle field. He's not afraid to do that. And when you get a guy with his kind of speed who's not afraid to go over the middle of the field, like Deshaun Jackson's afraid to go over the middle of the field, all of a sudden you open up a whole other kind of uh, area in his game that you can utilize that you don't normally get with guys that with that kind of speed. That's the difference between with me with Henry Ruggs. That's why I believe he definitely should be a first round draft pick. I know there's been some argument with some people as to whether or not he should be in the first round. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. He absolutely should. To your point, he can do anything on the field. You can play him in special teams on top of it, along with him being a mismatch. Is he a number one wide receiver? I don't think so. I don't think he's that type of guy. He's not good enough in traffic catching the ball uh, in those in those situations where you really need to lean on a guy to be able to move the chains for you. I don't know if he's that guy. I don't know if he'll ever be that guy, but is he a very, very high-end complimentary piece? Is he a guy in fantasy football purposes? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready who's going to be the guy who can win you the week any given time, who's going to be one of your favorite DFS plays. Yes, absolutely, 100%. And I think this he is somebody who definitely has some redraft value. He's going to be that guy, rookie, year one, who's going to be able to win you a couple of weeks here and there. Now, it's not going to be consistent. It's not going to be consistent at all, and it's going to depend on where he winds up as and how can, and how much playing time he gets and what his role is going to be. But his rookie year, he's going to have a couple of games here and there where he's going to flash. He's going to be probably more of a DFS play because you're not going to really know what's coming in actual redraft leagues. But for dynasty purposes, this could be the next great speedster uh, that we see. Is he a Tyreek Hill type? No, he's not. 
he's not that shifty the way Tyreek Hill is. What makes Tyreek Hill just a cheat code? It's not just that he's fast. He's super shifty, super elusive. He's not quite that guy, but he is really, really fast. He can be that type of playmaker, that type of role for a team out there. Before we move on, though, to some of the other wide receivers, I want to give you guys a quick little uh know about one of our sponsors, MyBookie. I know there's no sports going on right now, but with MyBookie, you can bet on almost anything, including the Democratic nomination, the presidential election, even the name of the next pope. You can join now, start winning big today. Just visit MyBookie.ag and use promo code BELLYUP for a 50% deposit bonus. That is promo code Belly up. Now, the next receiver that I want to talk about here is going to be Justin Jefferson, another guy who's possibly going to be going in the first round, another guy who's an inside out wide receiver. Chris, what do you see when you see Justin Jefferson on tape? You know, I got to see him in person a couple times this past season and last season. Uh, the seven, seven overtime stretch in Kyle Field was no joke. Uh, when you watch this guy, though, he's just got really good route running ability. He's really sharp. He's real crisp. Uh, he is just, you know, his eyes are always fixated on that ball. You can throw that ball anywhere, and he's going to go up and catch it. Uh, kind of like you mentioned prior, he probably will be that guy that goes and gets you that first down when you need it. Uh, he has a ridiculous catch radius as well. He's fast. here in a four four three forty at the combine, and his initial jab step when he comes out of his when he comes out of that well. When the, when the ball is snapped and he moves off the line, his initial jab step is unreal. It's so quick, and it just moves his entire body. Uh, he's almost like an acrobat, too, when he's going for those deep 50-50 balls. Uh, he's like start to so lay out there almost. He's a fighter. He's gritty. He likes to block. Uh, you know, I, I really like this kid, and it really pains me to say that since he's an LSU Tiger. <laughs> yeah, I... The big thing about Justin Jefferson was that he shocked the hell out of everybody at the scouting combine, right? Because he ran a four four three. I don't think anybody expected him to run a four four three. I didn't expect him to run a four four three. So he was showing right there that he has maybe a little bit more of a speed burst than people necessarily realize. And when you're talking about a guy who's six one two oh one, you already knew could be a bigger slot type of wide receiver. That could be his primary function, his best skill set. Uh, when you're talking about this guy who could also, because he's of his size, play on the perimeter as well, has that type of speed. Now you know there's no cap to his potential. There's no ceiling to what he could possibly be down the road. Uh, do I think he is quite as dynamic as some of these other guys we talked Well, I should say Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb. No, I don't think he's quite on that echelon, but is he right there with the T. Higgins? Is he right there with the Henry Ruggs as far as what he can bring to the table, what his talent is? Absolutely. It's another guy we do expect to probably go in the first round. There might be a lot of wide receivers going in the first round this year. And you don't just... Being in a league today, the way offenses are starting to run, they're starting to look at that bigger slot receiver more and more and more to be able to kind of get that mismatch, right? Defenses still have that 5'9", 5'8", guy as their slot corner. Offenses are realizing, hey, just kind of, you know, starting with back with Larry Fitzgerald, if we just have a guy who's bigger than you and can run routes in the middle of the field, we have a mismatch all day long. So people are starting to look that route. That's where Justin Jefferson kind of comes in. And then the fact that he was able to add what he was able to add to his speed to the 40 really kind of boosted his value to ensure that he wasn't going to be a possible first round pick. He was going to be a more than likely first round pick. I think the most common place I've seen him go is the Philadelphia Eagles. It makes a lot of sense that that's kind of where he would go. Um, I think if they had a choice, though, I think they would rather get a Henry Ruggs because they need some speed really, really bad. But he may not be there by the time they get the draft unless they're unless they're planning on moving up, which I don't think they're going to do because their, their team still needs a lot more draft picks than not. So I do think you're going to see Justin Jefferson kind of go in that area. He would fit them very, very well. Uh, there, I have him compared here to Robert Woods as a guy who can just play inside, outside, as a possession wide receiver, but does have more explosive ability than I think a lot of people want to give him uh, credit for. This next guy is where I start to question how much I like them. So uh, first, I want to hear your opinion on him, Chris. What is your take on LaVisca Chenault? Well, LSJ right here, I think he's top-notch. You know, I really like the guy. The more and more I watched of him on film, I just kept thinking, gosh, this guy's a beast. 
I mean, he's like a running back playing wide receiver when he gets the ball in his hand out there. He's angry when he runs. Uh, he's going at defenders, you know, knocking them over. I think he mixes, you know, his speed with his big frame, and he uses it very well. You know, he does take the direct snap as well behind the offensive line and runs, and he has scored before. Um, in his 2019 campaign, he scored four times at 764 yards through the air. Um, he's 14 of 23 and contested 50-50 balls. He's just an uber athlete that attacks the ball as well when you throw those 50-50 balls to him. Uh, once he gets out into open field, too, like he is kind of like a Henry Ruggs type movement. You know, not as quick. He is bigger, but he does have that, you know, almost like water type frame. Uh, I think he's got, you know, huge potential in the NFL. And at the combine, he ran a 4.58. Uh, he did have core surgery uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple, yeah, a couple weeks ago to get that looked at. And he was playing through that. And when he went to the combine, when he ran that 4.5, he had that injury. And he's said to be rehabbing very well right now. So yeah, I, we should see. Yeah, I think that's a major question, right? Because you're talking about a guy whose biggest skill set is the deep ball. You're talking about a guy whose biggest skill set is his explosive ability. When he comes out and runs a 4.58, I know that immediately raised a red flag in my mind. And I already had my questions about this guy coming into the combine as it was. Now, on tape, just watching him, I can tell he plays faster than running a 4.58. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that when he gets out in the open field. Not too many catches this guy. He is fantastic after the catch. He might be the best receiver after the catch in this one. But I question if not, this guy should not be somebody who maybe should look at actually going to the running back position. He doesn't have great hands. He has a lot of drops, especially when in traffic, especially when contested. He's not a guy I'm going to depend on or feel confident having to throw the ball to in a clutch situation. Uh, I think he is definitely a guy who cannot be a number one wide receiver because of that. He's a guy who has a limited route tree. I think he has to be a deep threat complement to somebody who is better than him on the opposite side of the field. My comparison to him is a poor man version of Sammy Watkins. He runs routes pretty similar to him, but when Sammy Watkins was coming out, Everybody was pretty convinced he was going to be a number one receiver. Really, had he not you know, had the injury issues that he had, he probably would have became that guy. Uh, Chenault does not have that type of route running ability. He doesn't have those type of hands. He can't. I, if he gets hit at the same time that he catches the ball, you're going to see a drop. So I have a lot of questions about a guy who's probably going to go in the second round. I really question how consistent he's actually going to be in the NFL. I don't know if you want to rebuttal any of that or not. You know, there's no way to tell until he gets on his team. I think he'd be good at the 49ers, kind of like a Justin Jefferson. But, you know, he, he's got 44 broken tackles over the past two seasons. Uh, like you said, if he's getting the ball while he's getting hit, he's probably not catching it. But once he does, he's moving. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with any of that. This guy is definitely an athlete with the ball in his hands. So I kind of wonder, should he go a Ty Montgomery route or a Cordell Patterson route and maybe just become a running back at some point? I can see him being effective in that. I have my doubts as a uh, wide receiver, though. The next guy I want to talk about kind of is almost similar in some situations. LaVisca Chanel, I think he's a little bit of a better route runner, but Brandon Ayuk. Chris, what do you what do you think about this guy? He's not too far from you out there. No, he's not. You know, Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, six foot two oh five. He's a he's a Reno Nevada kid, and he's pretty good. Uh, didn't really know too much about him uh, until the combine, and I did some research on him. You know, a thousand yard season is a twenty nineteen campaign, eighty or eight touchdowns. Uh, he is a senior. Uh, didn't really do too much his sophomore year. Uh, the eye test on him, he is good. He plays special teams as well, so he's a team player. Uh, he ran the 4-5 at the Combine, and when he catches the ball, he has this next gear. Uh, he's one of those types of guys, you know, he's not going to burn you off the line, but once he gets that ball, he has that next speed, that next level speed. Uh, he is considered the yards after catch king in college football, and he is a ball plucker. He's a first down maker, and he's got rapid foot turnover route, uh, and he can feast off that off-man coverage. I really, you know, the more and more I think about it and talk about it, I like him on paper. I just really I haven't seen too much of him. 
Yeah, look, with Brandon Ayuk, he didn't play against the best of competition, right? So you have to take some of that into consideration, especially when you're talking about a guy who clearly heavily leans on his physical ability. There's not a lot of mechanics. There's not a lot of technique in his game. That's why his route tree is is limited as it is. Um, he he is pretty physical, six foot, two hundred five pounds. The, he's probably two hundred five pounds of pure muscle when you're looking at this guy. I mean, he's he's ripped. Uh, he's very good after the catch as well. Tracks the ball well deep down the field, and this is where I think he's a little bit better than, than Chenault because when you're when he's running routes down the field, he does a little bit of a better job separating and cutting off the defensive back from being able to get an angle on him. Uh, so I, do, I like him. He's a little more trustworthy with his hands in that department, especially down the field. But he is a very similar type of wide receiver. And because he has a limited route tree and because his number one trait is his deep ball ability, but he does not have elite speed. He has good speed. He ran a four or five flat, which is about what I see on tape. He's not a guy at the NFL level that I think is going to be burning anybody. And because of that, I actually compare him to James Washington. And anybody who listens to this show knows that I am not a big James Washington fan. I get sick and tired of people talking that guy up about how it's going to be his big year to break out. And I'm just like, he has he's a one trick pony whose one trick isn't that great. I fear that Brandon Ayuk could wind up falling in a similar situation. I think he's a little quicker than James Washington, but he's a little bit more limited in his route running ability. Next, I want to talk about another big bodied type receiver, another guy who seems to be a controversial topic as far as who thinks he's going to be able to do well the next level or not, and that's going to be Michael. Pittman Jr. Chris, what do you have on Michael Pittman Jr.? Well, when I'm looking at NFL caliber player, first thing that, I, that pops out to me is his name. I mean, he's the son of former Tampa Bay running back Michael Pittman. So he's got the pedigree. Uh, he's one of those guys that just trusts the process. Uh, I like him a lot. He might be one of my favorite stories this draft. Uh, you know, he played all four years at USC. He's 6'4", 223. He's a Big, big guy, big wingspan. Uh, and like I said, he trusts the process. And, you know, his freshman year, six catches. 2017, his sophomore season, 23 catches. Up to his junior year to 41 catches. And then 2019, when he busted loose with 101 catches, 1,275 yards, and 11 touchdowns, one being a 77-yard burner. Uh, he's turning heads. And I like it because he's a run blocker, too. Uh, he can be that tight end or that wide receiver that is just setting that edge for you. Uh, he was a Blitnikoff Award finalist, and he is big, fast, and strong with that four five forty uh, at the combine. Uh, like you said, or like you have down here, he, he reminds you of Devin Funches, and that hits it to me on the head. Uh, the more I watch of this guy, the more I want to watch of him. Uh, he has a hundred and seventy one receptions, and five drops, making 176 at it, 176 catchable passes. Uh, that was phenomenal to me. Uh, I really, really like this guy. He's football smart. You know, obviously the pedigree brings that in. His route tree is phenomenal, and he just clears coverage like nothing else. I mean, watching this guy is really, really fun. Uh, I hope to see him in Battle Red one day. Yeah, I, I go back and forth with actually with my evaluation, Michael Pittman, myself. There's Times on tape where I see a prototypical perimeter wide receiver who could be a number one on a team somewhere and be the 50-50 guy, be a guy that you lean on. He can run a pretty decent route tree. He he did have the experience playing inside and out at USC. He has the pedigree. He understands the nuances. He understands the technique of the NFL already, so he has that under his belt. Then there's other times where I watch this guy struggle to create separation. I watched this guy struggle to get off the line against bigger corners on the perimeter, which is why, which is why I'm glad you like the Devin Funches comp because that's why I felt so strongly that's he's who he reminds me of. And I was a Devin Funches fan when he was coming out of college um, himself. But the one thing I said about Devin Funches then, the one thing I think I can say about Michael Pittman now is that these are two guys that I don't believe can be featured wide receivers on a consistent basis because of their inability to get separation on a consistent basis. So I do think it'd be better off in a situation where he could be a compliment type of guy. I think he'd be better off in a situation where he could be the compliment to a speedster type receiver 
Where I'm going with this is in the second round, if this is a guy who could wind up on the Baltimore Ravens, I think he would fit very, 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 very well. You have Marquise Brown already there. You could have him and Mark Andrews as red zone targets. He blocks on the outside, to your point, so they can still fit in with Greg Roman and the power running scheme of what he really wants to be able to do. If he goes to the Baltimore Ravens, I think this is a guy who very much will be on my dynasty radar. But to me, Michael Pittman, the way I had to look at it at the end of the day was his situation is going to be 100% will be 100% dependent upon what my evaluation of him in the future is going to be as far as what his dynasty value is going to be. I do not think, regardless of whether he winds up in the Ravens or whoever, that this is going to be a guy we're going to be looking at in redraft leagues or DFS leagues or anything like that. But I do think this is somebody, dynasty purposes, he winds up in the right situation. I'm going to want him on my team for when he's ready to take that next step and is ready to have a bigger role on a squad there. Uh, do you like that fit, or is there somewhere else you would maybe like to see him go? I think that is 100% correct. Uh, the speedster on the outside to compliment him would be very good. Uh, the whole Ravens thing works to a T, and I think that might be where he goes. Uh, but just because I'm a homer, we do have Will Fuller, who is currently healthy, and he is a burner as well. Yeah, yeah, he would fit. He would fit there too, and maybe be your only healthy wide receiver. At some point. <laughs> uh, need, need, need one, yeah. right? Need one guy to stay on the field. We got four more receivers that we're going to be getting to, but first I want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors, Fanatics. They are the number one fan sports apparel and memorabilia store in the world. Get access to all available discounts by clicking on the link from the MD's Fantasy Football Show from our posts that we have on social media. You can go to Twitter, at MDSFFShow, or go to Facebook, at MDFFShow, and we have posts there all the time. You can click on the link, and it'll take you right to the Fanatics discount, whatever it is that particular week, because it changes every single week. So go ahead and check out fanatics.com. All right. So now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Now we're getting down to some of the later wide receivers, guys who may not be going in the first couple of rounds or may so. And I'm actually going to switch it up here a little bit. I want to talk about Denzel Mims first, because this is somebody who I think could wind up in the first round that doesn't get talked about enough. Let me give me give me your take here on Denzel Mims. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, Denzel Mims out of Baylor, he's a big guy, 6'3", 207. He has a 4'3", speed out of the combine, so he's big, fast, strong. I really like him out of Baylor. Uh, you know, he has staggering numbers at 2,000-yard seasons there at Baylor. Uh, he's got the elite prototypical attributes that you want, the size and the speed. He makes circus catches weekly if you watch the highlight tape. Uh if the cornerbacks give him some cushion, he's eating it up really quick, and then he's just moving past him. Uh, his focus almost seems to get heightened if he could, and at 50-50 balls when you're throwing it to him in the end zone, it's just like he's a, he, ha- he finds the ball every time they throw it to him. It's crazy. Uh, when you watch him, too, he always extends. Uh, wherever he's catching the ball, he's always high-pointing it, even if he doesn't really need to. He's getting up there and just you know showcasing his animalistic skills. Uh, I really like this kid. I think he's going to do very well. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Look, with Denzel, he probably is my third best receiver in this draft class. Who doesn't get talked about enough? I, I, I love T. Higgins as much as I love those guys. As much as I, I do like Henry Ruggs, what he brings to the table, as much as I like what Justin Jefferson brings to the table, I think the number three receiver in this draft class is Denzel Mims. He has all the traits you're looking for in a future superstar wide receiver. And he is somebody who I think year one could give you a Martavius Bryant type of season right off the bat because he's so dynamic, because he is such a big play type of guy. 
he there's no doubt in my mind that he will easily be able to do give you that kind of season right away year one no matter where he winds up at I want nothing more than the Green Bay Packers to take him at 30 I want him nothing more than him to be paired up with Devontae Adams there uh, that's the big fit that I could see him being right away and then working his way to be the next superstar wide receiver of the Green Bay Packers I think that would be the best fit for him possible but I don't care this is one guy I don't care where he winds up at I like what he's going to be able to bring to the table what he's going to possibly be it's not just that he is a long strider who runs a four five or four six he's a taller guy but is deceptively fast because he's a long strider no he is not only a long strider but he's fast fast and you can't keep up with this guy you can't out physical this guy I love everything about him what he's able to bring to the table there I don't the only weakness I think I had on him was his his techniques and his short intermediate routes need to get a little bit sharper he needs to, he needs to be able to drop that hip a little bit crisper to kind of cut off and so, kind of instead of rounding around those routes to kind of make it more of a 90 degree angle the second he does that though nobody's going to be able to keep up with him my early comp for him was a DJ Chark type, that kind of athlete. But my real comp, I don't know if people are going to remember this, Chris. I don't know if you would remember this player. But Chris Henry, he was he was one of my favorite guys. He was on the Cincinnati Bengals. There was a time where it was you know it was Chad Johnson. It was CJ Husmanzada. Chris Henry was kind of that third guy. But he was a guy who, from a talent perspective, could have been the next Randy Moss. That's who he was compared to mostly, but he had a lot of off-the-field issues, so he didn't really get to stay in the NFL as long as he should have, and he didn't really get his opportunity because of what that, but the talent that he had reminds me a lot of what Denzel Mims bring to the table. Yeah, I, Do you remember who Chris Henry is? I'm just kind of curious. You know, I had to Google who Chris Henry was at first. <laughs> I thought it was a typo. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit uh, past my prime, I guess, it was before my time. Well, it was it was a little while ago. It was also a guy who didn't get to play a ton. So I was I was a little curious. That's why I wanted to make the DJ Char comparison for people like you out there who maybe don't know who he was. Uh, but this next guy I want to talk about is somebody who I'm not very big on myself. So, Chris, why don't you tell me who, what you think about Jalen Rigar? So out of TCU, this 5'11", 206 guy, I mean, I really didn't know too much about him. And I think I saw, the first film I saw is probably what everyone else saw about him, his first touchdown catch against SMU when he's in the end zone and there's six defenders just draped over him and Kenny Hill throws up a 50-50 Hill Mary and he just goes up and climbs the ladder and gets it. Uh, that's a pretty good uh, first touchdown at TCU, if I do say so myself. <laughs> uh, he, is, he is creative when he oh, gets yeah. off the ball. Um, his hands are pretty good. Uh, he hasn't really shown too much in his senior year. He had a big regression. Uh, his, uh, his junior year, his sophomore year, he had 72 catches and over 1,000 yards. Uh, his senior year, he has 43 catches and 611 yards. So a little bit of regression there. Uh, he is a deep threat, though. He's got a 4.47 speed, and he's a great returner for special teams. Uh, he is a tough kid, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's a guy I can see being a special teams player. Uh, my comp to him was to Marcus Robinson. And the big reason for that is because I have a lot of problems with Jalen Rhaegar's route tree. Uh, he doesn't have very good hips, in my opinion. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who's going to have sharp routes, especially when you're talking about intermediate, short area. Even in TCU, he only ever lined up on the perimeter. He only ever lined up on the right side of the formation. So that kind of makes me wonder how much did they hide what his limited route tree really was. And we might not even seen the full extent of it. So that that's where I'm my question is. I don't I'm not big on those type of receivers. I think that we're talking about a guy who might just be a one trick pony uh, with Jalen Rigar. So that's where I kind of have my hesitations. He is fast. I do think he'll be able to give you something on special teams. But as far as dynasty purposes go, this is definitely not a redraft guy. I don't think he's going to play enough. Uh, but as far as dynasty purposes go, I don't know if we're really talking about a guy who's ever going to be a consistent starter for any one team. I think he's going to be more of a wide receiver four for a lot of people, more of a special teams guy uh, throughout his career. Another guy who's kind of in a similar mold to that would be uh, KJ Hamler. Another kind of smaller speedster type of guy. Uh, another guy who 
I feel like he's more of a one-trick pony, more of a guy who's going to be somebody who gets more utilized in the special teams return type of game. And my biggest knock on him is that he does not have great hands. He allows too many catches into his body. And being that he's only 5'9", 178, you take too many catches into the body, you're going to get whacked when you're that small, especially since you're a guy he's going to have to line up in the slot at some time because he's simply too small, not physical enough, I think, to be able to work the perimeter. What's your take on uh, K.J. Hamler? You know, Dan, I agree with you. Uh, he is, when you watch him, he's a little twitchy on the field. So uh, your Tavon Austin take on him was 100% accurate, I think. Uh, he doesn't have the best hands. He is fast. He's got sub 4-4 speed um, unofficially. And I did see him against cornerback Jeff Akuda from Ohio State, and he shook him pretty bad. Uh, so he does have the Jets when he needs them, but he's not going to be a big He's not going to be consistent. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> I have a tough guy with, with, with guys like that, especially when they're little itty-bitty wide receivers, and he's somebody who I feel like has been pretty talked about as a sleeper. Um, I feel like when you're a Penn State guy, I feel like you automatically get talked about as a sleeper if you have any kind of athletic ability. I don't know what it is about the Penn State people. They always seem to wake their way in the NFL and try to make some loud noise. And I can't. I, there's really not too many Penn State players that I can even stand personally. So it could be some bias on that part of it. But uh, I, I haven't really loved what I've seen on film. The last receiver we're going to talk about today's show is Devin DuVernay. Just give me your take, take on Devin DuVernay real quick. So first, I like how you switched him to close the show because you know he's a T-sip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I do like this kid. Um, shout out to my sister-in-law, uh, who is a T-sip grad, and she has made me watch some Texas football. So he's not too terrible, <laughs> uh, but for real, <laughs> he is. He is. He is good. Uh, I think he is going to make a splash in the NFL, even though he's only 5'10 and 200 pounds. He's not the biggest guy out there, but he just he plays bigger than he is, if that makes sense. He's rugged. I mean, he just he, he takes hits and he hits back. He plucks the ball out of the sky. He ran a 4'3", He's got the intangibles, and he's smart as well. He's a competitor uh, playing in the Big 12 against some of these teams, you know, with that rivalry that they have they're leaving it all on the line out there uh, after the catch he's extremely fast he's got good feet and great toes i can't tell you how many times i've seen this guy just catch ridiculous balls on the sideline and toe drag uh i i really like him in the mock draft that we did with ktls sports i actually drafted him to the houston texans uh and i did not look back from it i really like the kid i can't wait to see him on uh, sunday night yeah, he is another guy who we're getting a lot of wide receivers who are built like running backs, right? And he's another one of those type of guys, but he has more speed to go with that physicality. He ran a four three nine. It shows up on film what he's able to do once he has the ball in his hands. And uh, I compared him to Cordell Patterson, and I think from an athletic standpoint. I'm good with that, but I think if I'm really thinking about it more and what his potential is as a wide receiver, I probably should have compared him to Golden Tate, uh, that type of guy who I think he'll be able to line up in the slot, he'll be able to line up on the perimeter, he'll be a little bit more physical, not going to be the big guy. I don't think he'll ever be a number one. I think he'll need to be a compliment to ever be a very good wide receiver, but definitely a guy who is going to be a playmaker on the field. And he's a little faster in Golden Tate, especially in straight line speed. So if he's able to get his route tree developed, especially deep, he does a, he's a pretty good route tree underneath. He, has, he runs pretty good slants, um, runs pretty good five-yard ins and outs. The thing I got to see him do is do a better job of separating when he gets at the top of his routes, getting away from the safety, giving himself that passing lane to the quarterback when he goes deep outside of when he just you know, burns a guy deep and just gets past him naturally. That way, it's not going to happen as much in the NFL. So I want to see him develop that a little bit. But once he gets that down, I do think this is a guy who is going to be taken later on drafts, is going to be more of a dynasty value, not really a redraft guy. I don't think he's going to play that much his rookie season, but is a guy that I do think will have a lot of value in dynasty, a guy who I think is about two years away from really making a big impact somewhere, depending on where he winds up at. I do like his ability quite a bit. One of the few guys guys coming in that I do think has some 
techniques that he needs to work on to be able to get off the line of scrimmage, but because there's not going to be as much pressure on him to play too early, I think he's going to get the time he needs to develop that area, and everything else about him is really good. He catches the ball in traffic. That's a big one for me when you're talking about a wide receiver who's going to be in his type of shoes. Can you depend on him in those situations? He is that guy. He has very strong hands. He plucks the ball out of the air. That's what I like about him probably the most. But that wraps up the show. Had a great time here, Chris. Your analysis was fantastic. I know MD Nation really, really appreciates it. One more time, just let the people know where they can find you and let us also know what it is you're working on at the moment and when that might be released. Well, first, thank you for having me on the show. It was great. It was fun. I really liked it. I hope I get to come back. Uh, all y'all can follow me on Definitely. Twitter at AggieCapaSig. Uh, or you can always just drop me a shout or like a comment or give us a follow on Belly Up Sports, Belly Up Football, or Belly Up Fantasy. Um, and I'm currently, like I mentioned earlier, working on that live draft, mock draft with KTLS Sports. That will come out and give you my take on what the Houston Texans can do to salvage their fan base by letting DeAndre Hopkins leave. All right. I can't wait to read that. I know the listeners out there can't wait to read that as well. Remember, check that up on bellyupfantasysports.com. That'll be coming out soon. For us, we will be back next week. We're going to be doing an NFL mock draft for the first round with fantasy analysis. It's just going to be me back to the basics of it all. And, of course, the two weeks after that, we'll recap the first round the following Friday after the draft happens that Thursday night on April 23rd. And, of course, we'll be back the following week to recap the rest of the draft. That's going to be the next three episodes. It'll just be me. And then after that, we'll start getting some guests back again on the show. Make sure you're checking out this show on your favorite podcast app, including iHeartRadio. Now, make sure you're checking us out on the live streams that you can always see. We have YouTube. Just follow the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Subscribe so you can always get those update notifications for that. Make sure you're following us on sportscaster.com at MDFF, USN, and make sure you're following us on Facebook. We can always see us on Facebook Live there as well. Make sure you can contact the show on the MD Nation, 609-362-2480. The MD's we'll be seeing Fantasy you guys Football all show. next week real, real soon. Everybody take care. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you all again next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.